Incredibles 2 provides a foundation for discussion on slavery to sin, civil disobedience, irreconcilable worldviews, and the role perception plays in societal judgment. Are you just watching episode 88, Incredibles 2, part 2? That's a lot of twos. (laughs) But not a two-two in it. Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I'm Eve Franklin. I'm Tim Martin. And this is our second part of our continuing discussion on The Incredibles 2. If you haven't caught the first one, you need to go back and listen to our discussion on family and parenting and uh, just our overall likes and dislikes about the movie, because on this one, we're going to dive right into our thematic discussion on the screen slaver. <laughs> that sounded really, really evil the way you said it. <laughs> well, I mean, it is the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said this in the earlier episode. The villain in this movie is so relatable and has you know, some really good points to make. So before we go too far into this discussion, I'm going to let the screen slaver interrupt our program for an announcement. <laughs> Screen Slaver interrupts this program for an important announcement. Don't bother watching the rest. Elastigirl doesn't save the day. She only postpones her defeat. And while she postpones her defeat, you eat chips and watch her confront problems that you are too lazy to deal with. Superheroes are part of your brainless desire to replace true experience with simulation. You don't talk, you watch talk shows. You don't play games, you watch game shows. Travel, relationships, risk. Every meaningful experience must be packaged and delivered to you to watch at a distance so that you can remain ever sheltered, ever passive, ever ravenous consumers who can't bring themselves to rise from their couches, break a sweat, and participate in life. You want superheroes to protect you and make yourselves ever more powerless in the process while you tell yourself you're being looked after, that your interests are being served, that your rights are being upheld, so that the system can keep stealing from you, smiling at you all the while. Go ahead, send your supers to stop me. Grab your snacks, watch your screens, and see what happens. Okay, so what the Screen Slaver is talking about is very much what this podcast is about. And it just really amazed me that the whole point of our podcast is addressing the nature of viewers to sit and just watch rather than think about what they're watching. And I'm not going to call any of you ever sheltered, ever passive, ever ravenous consumers who can't free themselves from their couches, break a sweat, and anticipate a new life. Um, because y'all are listening to our podcast. So obviously, you don't <laughs> count. <laughs> so you're calling anyone who isn't listening to our podcast those things. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. This whole idea explores what it is that people want and, and how people react to propaganda, because that's basically what media is. It's propaganda. It, all of it's spun from somebody's point of view. Somebody's worldview is behind it. And that's why we exist, is to try and encourage people to examine the worldview, understand the thematic underpinnings of what it is that you watch and enjoy, instead of letting people cram it down your throat and you just believe it because somebody said it on TV, which is a quote I want to do. This little conversation between that goes on at the dinner table at the Parr's house or at the hotel, actually. We want to fight bad guys. I never see bad guys. No, you don't. You said things were different now. And they were on the island. But I didn't mean that from now on... So now we've got to go back to never using our power. It defines who I am. We're not saying you have... What? Someone on TV said it. Okay, so our kids 
probably consume more screen time than the average adult because the TV, since even before I was born, well, probably around the time I was born, became the great babysitter. You mm. need you need to wash the dishes. You need to clean a room. You need to do have a parental discussion without the kids listening in. You set the kids in front of the TV and and you just leave them to yep. their devices. And the issue is, is that our kids learn from what they watch. The, vi- the video has a, a much higher retention than audio for teaching. And so everything that we plant our kids down in front of to watch, they are picking it up better than what we tell them half the time. And so big point of caution here, as Dash has done, he's picked up something that kind of put a whole halt to that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> because someone said it on TV. I've I've done that double take double take before. Mm-hmm. So this, uh, like you said, this really is what Are You Just Watching is all about. And interestingly, when speaking for myself, I, I suspect you probably ran into the same thing. Uh, when we were going through and choosing uh, scripture that applied, uh, I had trouble choosing scripture, be- not because <laughs> there wasn't enough of it, but because pretty much the entire book of Romans <laughs> – <laughs> applies to this yeah um uh, and in particular i even uh when we first started talking about doing incredibles 2 i, I think it was like two months ago mm-hmm. i knew going in that one of the things i wanted to uh to link to was the metaphor of the screen slaver and being slave to sin as paul talks about uh most notably in Romans 6, but it it, it comes up a lot. And, mm-hmm. and the one verse that I pulled out in particular was Romans six sixteen. Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to somebody as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one, that one you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? And I, I think that ties in so uh, snugly with your commentary on, you know, putting the kids in front of the TV and, and mm-hmm. uh, letting them uh, – letting the TV raise your kids. And, and I know as young parents uh, 20 years – 20 – 25 years ago, that was something we struggled with all the time was it was just so easy mm-hmm. to plop the kids down in front of the TV and turn on uh, – I can't even uh, blues clues was one of the big ones for my kids mm-hmm. um, and let them go with it because, you know, you, you would hope that blues clues would uh, focus on the basics and not slip in more questionable content. Right. But you really don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays it's even worse because, you know, the PBS and the Disney's and all of the, the content creators for kids are are really very liberal and progressive yeah. and they're slipping all of that stuff into the storylines of the kids programmings nothing is safe anymore that's like yeah, if, abc family is not the family that i know right <laughs> yeah yeah so it it is difficult that we have chosen to be enslaved uh by a screen that often as not uh is giving us morals that we would not agree with as Christians. And that's, that ties back to what Paul, the the point that Paul is making in pretty much all of Romans six. And that's uh, that you, you serve one of two purposes. You are either a slave to sin and you are outside the redemptive uh, salvation of Christ, Mm -hmm. or you are, a slave to God. And Paul actually even says, uh, sorry to use this term, but I'm using the term of human language. Mm -hmm. You will serve one or the other. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're a slave to sin, you don't have any control. Uh, You will always choose the sinful choice, Mm -hmm. Um, even if it appears to be good, because it will be for the wrong reasons. And that ties into me how this whole screen sleeper works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they slap on the goggles or put the screen in front of the in front of the victim, and suddenly the victim is just an extension of Evelyn's will. Yeah, and in in reality, 
who is the will behind sin? It's Satan. Mm-hmm. Although theologically, that's probably not a great connection. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, Satan exists outside of sin, but Satan is the embodiment of sin, uh, and the God epitome is of never sin out- and art. And God is never outside of his control of what Satan is allowed to do. So, yeah, yeah, it, it's not it, a it's so, perfect it, parallel, but yeah, yeah you get t- your point. It ties back to our discussion of Job, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, it, that was one thing that I really wanted to focus on was uh, the the lack of will that people have with screen slavers uh control is mm-hmm. exactly like the lack of will that we have in the face of sin yeah yeah and you notice in the movie it, people didn't lose their uh personalities they didn't lose their intellect they didn't lose uh you know what made them them but they lost uh they lost the desire to do anything other than what they were instructed to do mm-hmm yeah, because like the superheroes she takes over, they all fight like they are themselves. Like they yeah. they know their gifts, they know what they're good at, but they are slaves to Evelyn's will and they will do what she tells them to do. And yeah, it's it is very fascinating parallel that these people are basically slaves to someone else's will and that's what we are. And I had an interesting discussion with somebody who used to go to my church recently. He was upset the the Kentucky Baptist Convention has um, passed a rule that says that we can't, as Baptist churches, hire anybody who is a, um, part of the LGBTQ community. Okay. They can't be p- paid employees of churches. And those churches that uh, do not abide by that rule are, are ejected from the convention, basically. Interesting. And anyway, this this gentleman was extremely upset um, with the the KBC for doing this. And uh, he said it didn't show the love of Christ and all of this. And I I hear these arguments all the time, you know, it's like, but at the same time, the church is supposed to be the body of Christ. And I, I, I see it both ways because an employee of the church is a representative of the church, no matter what level of employee they are. It's just like if you worked for a Christian ministry. And so you have to abide by the moral standards of your employer. And if you're not, then you shouldn't be an employee there. But if you're same-sex attracted and you're not living that lifestyle, and you're not in bondage to that sin, then there shouldn't be a problem. And I don't think there would be a problem with you being employed at the church. I'm not sure I would put you in a role of authority because you're still, you're struggling with something quite obviously. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's the same thing as if, you know, somebody had cheated on their wife or, or husband, or they were stealing or they were caught, you know, doing some other moral sin they wouldn't be able to stay employed there. You would have to fire right. them. So I I guess I, I stand behind the KBC in this situation because if if you're you have chosen to be slave to a sin and you're openly living a lifestyle of sin, then you don't belong as an employee of the church. It doesn't yeah. necessarily yeah. moral causes used to be uh, much more common, I think, than they than they I feel like they are today. Mm-hmm. In the military, you've got a moral cause. Even if you don't break the law, it used to be in the military, if you don't break the law and you cheated on your wife, mm-hmm. you could still be uh, found guilty under the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Because mm-hmm. you don't live with, uh, with honor. Yeah. that's. It's de- I don't know if they still enforce that, but it, yeah. in the civilian secular world, I really feel like they don't. What we don't know don't hurt us kind of idea. They don't live up to that standard anymore. Yeah. But there are some employers that still do. And I don't think that there is anything wrong with that. I think that uh, as a church, I I think that you are morally accountable for the people you hire. And because it's God's money you're paying them with. But at the same time, I don't think that means that the church closes its doors to people who need help, who are struggling with, you know, an LGBTQ whatever lifestyle. they shouldn't be rejected and ejected from the church just because um, they need to be given an opportunity to repent of their sin and turn, turn away from it. 
Yeah. And I think that that was why my my beef with this was that they seemed to be saying that these churches were not showing the love of God to the LGBTQ community. And I'm like, that's not saying they can't be members of the church. That's not saying they can't go to church there. It's saying the church cannot employ them. Uh, I would agree that an unrepentant practicing homosexual uh, would it you would have to question, you know, employing them yeah as staff of the church right but if but if it's a a brother or sister who struggles with same-sex attraction um i wouldn't have any problem even in leadership roles because we all struggle with With something yeah with something Uh, and many of us struggle with more than one thing (laughs) yeah so it's but we all struggle with sin Mm -hmm. so i think it's probably unfairly singling them out because it happens to be the sin du jour Right. Uh, for evangelical uh, communities. Well, I think there shouldn't be a double standard. I definitely, if there's, you know, a point where you have an LGBTQ, whatever, janitor, and mm-hmm. he's living openly living the lifestyle and you ask him to step down and leave. And but then you have a pastor who has his hand in the till or has left his wife or yeah. and, and you don't do anything about it. That's a that's a double standard. You have to treat all of the moral sins the same. Yep. Regardless of what the position or power of the of the employee in the church, if they are morally an un, an unrepentant in a moral beha- immoral behavior, they need to go. Period. Yeah, it's not like practicing believers are somehow free from sin. No. We all um, sin, but there, there's yep. a difference between blatantly living an unrepentant, sinful lifestyle and saying, um, I'm I'm guilty of this problem and I'm seeking help. Yeah. And I'm trying exactly. to change and I want to be different. And yeah. I, so, I may I may fail here and there, but, I, yeah. but I'm always... Always repentant. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, I think that's the big difference. But, you know, and in our culture, we equate some of these sins as being greater than others or not sins at all. And so it creates this dichotomy of, and this discord, even among the body of believers as to what counts as, as sin. Yeah. But in, in the instance of, you know, in our discussion here about the screen slaver, it's like sin that permeates our lives mm-hmm. and makes us even, even the sins that we deny our sin and especially the sins we deny that, our sin. Those are the ones that have the most control over us. Yeah. You know, um, we had mentioned how uh, they still retained some of them. What made them, yeah, yeah, what made them them. Um, even though they were under the control, it, it does remind me of Romans uh, 7, 18 through 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul is talking about um, uh, what the, not only what the, what it was like before salvation, but uh, also our struggle, it speaks on a broader level to our struggle with sin. Mm-hmm. Um, for I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the, the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. And, and that's before Christ. Mm-hmm. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now, if I do what I do not want... I am no longer the one who does it, but it is the sin that lives within me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, that that speaks to me about the screen slaver's control, mm-hmm. where she basically co-opts all these people to, to serve as her messengers. And uh, the message, you know, the message that she's serving is the intro, where screen saver interrupted the, the broadcast at the very mm-hmm. beginning. Yeah. She's trying to prove a point. And and I think that that's what is kind of different about her. You know, she's using, like she says, she's using telecommunications technology to prove to people that it is enslaving so that they'll quit depending on it. And she's doing the same thing with superheroes is she's using superheroes to prove that people can't trust superheroes. Yeah. She's using the tool to prove to people that they shouldn't use the tool. <laughs> yeah. It's at one point she says people uh, people want ease. Uh, people will trade quality for ease every time. It mm-hmm. may be crap, but hey, it's convenient. And that reminded me 
Those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Yeah, well, there's lots of quotes to that. And um, like the a republic won't last. I think it was Benjamin Franklin that said that when the people find out that they can vote themselves money, that will her- herald the end of the republic. <laughs> there's a lot of things about that we desire security over liberty and it's very much a political statement because we end up going back to the the whole concept of what we're we're doing in our country today and and why we're seeing the republic that this that our country was built at slowly fade with every election because people choose security uh of income of country of you know their personal existence over the liberty to make their own choices that might result in a failure yeah and they want some, they want the safety net they'd rather have the safety net than the liberty and the more that you vote for the safety net the less liberty you have and yeah it's it's and a scary thought you don't want to risk the failure so you set it up so that you cannot fail but right. you set it up to you set it up so that you cannot fail by setting it up so that you never try right now, now this is interesting because if I'm going to play Evelyn's monologue from when she and Elastigirl have the conversation after mm-hmm. uh, Evelyn's uh, revealed herself, but I want you, while you're listening to this monologue, I want you to mentally replace superhero with government. We don't know each other. But you can count on me anyway. I'm supposed to, aren't I? Because you have some strange abilities and a shiny costume, the rest of us are supposed to put our lives into your gloved hands. That's what my father believed. When our home was broken into, my mother wanted to hide, begged my father to use the safe room, but father insisted they call his superhero friends. He died. Pointlessly. Stupidly. Waiting for heroes to save the day. But why would your brother... Is a child! He remembers a time when we had parents and superheroes. So, like a child, Winston conflates the two. Mommy and Daddy went away because supers went away. Our sweet parents were fools to put their lives in anybody else's hands. Superheroes keep us weak. That's an interesting exercise. Yeah. Um, now, the reason I wanted wanted you to do that is because... This movie, you could very easily replace supers with government, and you can see both the the pros and cons of putting your trust in government, because we live in a culture now, especially the godless part of our culture, where they have replaced God with government, and they have put their trust in government. They believe that government is going to right all the wrongs, fix all the injustices, be the, you know, provide all of the, the blessings in life, you know, food and shelter and education and all of those things that those of us who are blessed to have them really appreciate them, but they're not guarantees in life. And there were three things I took out of that exercise when I did that. Mm-hmm. The government means well. But it often does more harm than good. Evelyn speaks of the dependence that's created from trusting people. And that dependence, when, it, when it's created, it's really hard to break. And sometimes when you're, it, it fails you. Yeah. So, and, when, and that failure, because you're depending on it, that failure hurts you more than if you had just not developed a dependence to begin with. Her her point uh, at the very end, uh, her last statement, mm-hmm. uh, our sweet parents were fools to put their lives in anybody, anybody else's hands. The government keeps us weak. Yeah, the government keeps us <laughs> or weak. Or superheroes keep us weak, depending right. on if you're doing the exercise. Right. But if the government keeps us weak when we depend on it, then we'll never be strong as people, right? Yeah. So you can really, you can actually, the the I'm not saying that the... All of the government is corrupt and evil, though quite a bit of it is. There are people that are that believe in welfare and social security and all these safety net programs that we have now because of the wrongs that it writes in the lives of people who don't have what they need to survive. And, right. uh, you know, I've had this discussion with with an atheist friend of mine, you know, it's like, how do you help these people? Because they need help. And so they turn to government to help them. And but in that turning to government, there's no incentive to or and and really in a lot of these programs, no opportunity 
to help yourself. You become utterly and completely dependent on the government. Yeah, it goes back to that uh, that old truism. Uh, if you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he'll eat for the rest of his life, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where I think uh, Evelyn is going and where the government so often fails with mm-hmm. uh, welfare-specific programs mm-hmm. is we address the immediate needs, but we don't provide often. Mm-hmm. We don't provide the ability for the uh, person to provide for those needs on their own. Mm-hmm. And the government and, isn't omnipotent. Yeah. And that the final point I wanted to make on that Thank is... Thank heavens. Yeah, the government is not omnipotent. They can't save everybody. And we like to... When, when we put God or we put government in place of God, we're expecting fallible, extremely fallible and corrupt man to do the work of God in our community. And it just it, it doesn't work and I, I i keep going back to ben shapiro but he's asked this question a lot is like if the government doesn't do all these safety programs what you know what's the answer to that and his response is always community your religious community and your family that's where the aid is supposed to come from and the the fact that we have shifted away from that in our society where i think i read a book once where it was about these homeless kids and they they were asked why didn't they didn't go to the shelter and because they'll preach at me. I don't, I don't want food with, you know, I don't want Jesus with my food. And I, hmm. we've become so entitled in our society that when we're, even when we're in need, we feel like we can dictate the terms by which the handout is given. Does that make sense? And it, yeah. and it's sad because yeah, it it, it's extraordinarily sad because the whole point of, I won't say the whole point, but a good portion of the Christian faith is supposed to be helping the needy. And mm-hmm. I mean, that it, it, James says that an, an, an inactive faith is not faith. It's like mm-hmm. if, if you see your brother and sister uh, in need and you don't do anything, then what good is your faith? But we live in a culture now that says, oh, no, you don't have to do anything. The government will take care of it. Yeah. But you know the government is is just as bad. Like you said, they're they're just as fallen as everybody else. Right. And uh, in First Peter two nineteen, it says uh, they promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption, since people are enslaved to whatever defeats them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the unrepentant are defeated by sin. They are slaves to sin. Right. So it's it, anything good that comes out of it is by the will of God alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't want everybody to think I'm going on an anti anti government spiel here. I'm just urging caution, I guess, because <laughs> that's really what well, yeah. e- what Evelyn was doing was she was trying to open people's eyes out to the problems with being, you know, a slave to th- their telecommunication devices. But I'm just urging caution and being slaves to the government because we need government. It it is it. If we didn't have government, there would be nothing but chaos. But we have to put government in its proper place. And I think in our culture, especially if we had superheroes in real life, we probably would be overly dependent on them. And superheroes would be just as apt to be supervillains as they would be heroes because there's something in every man uh, that when, when you have power, it corrupts you. And we mm-hmm. see that in our government today. You know, the, the amount of power you have is directly proportional to how corrupt you get while you wield it. And it's it's something that every person has to struggle with. I personally don't want to rise to the level of management because I know that I would not be a good manager. I'd, I would not wield that power well. And mm-hmm. so it's it's just something that we have to recognize as human beings that government cannot be perfect and it cannot right all the wrongs. And we have to look at it as a necessary evil and treat it as a necessary evil and not put utter trust into it. Right. But we, we have to remember that, uh, that no government, even the worst of despots is in place outside of God's will. Right. Yeah. And that is the whole point of Romans 13. And I won't read the whole thing here. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, 
God is sovereign, mm-hmm. and his sovereignty extends to everything, including the Saddam Husseins mm-hmm. and the Muammar Gaddafis of the world. Right. Yeah. So and, um, and the Donald Trumps <laughs> and the Donald Trumps. Uh, so it's when it comes to uh, the will of that government, you know, as as expressed through the laws of the land. Where does it go? Yeah. And and we're still to be obedient to it, which is, I think, the other the main theme and the other main theme. In yeah. Incredibles too is the whole concept of civil disobedience. Yeah, and it, it's like the it's like the theme to the Incredibles universe because it 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 played such a big part in one and and now in two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the whole concept of making a group of people illegal, and I think we've kind of there are political parallels to that as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> declaring people illegal just because of who they are that's that's kind of difficult to enforce i mean you're basically telling somebody not to be who they are yeah and we struggle with that in our country today and and that's another thing we have to you know weigh against um you know the whole libertarian view of have as few laws as possible mm-hmm. <laughs> and and i to be honest, the the older I get, the more libertarian I become. I, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm a conservative Republican, and I have voted that way my entire voting life. Uh, but the whole concept of needing smaller government seems to have slipped out of the Republican standpoint politically. And I find myself thinking, you know, a lot of these social ills that we fight against would be solved by simply taking the government out of it. It's like, should men marry men in, instead of women? Why doesn't the government, instead of dictating that it's legal, why don't the government just get out of marriage, the marriage business entirely? Mm. And that would solve that problem because it would throw back to the communities and and to the religious organizations that handle marriage and it's, take it I, out of no, the court. It's interesting. I, I lean the other way as I grow yeah. older. Um, it's my thought process is, is that... Uh, Ideally, um, you had mentioned earlier uh, that uh, we should be able to set aside some of these welfare programs and have communities deal with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is exactly how it should work, but I don't think it will work because, again, people are just as fallen as the government is. (laughs) And uh, I don't think that we can – necessarily rely on uh, individual communities to uh, take care of the needs that some of the welfare programs are taking care of. Um, it, it would be great if every church stepped up. Mm-hmm. But the the fact of the matter is, even the churches are run by uh, people who are struggling with their own sins. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that there needs to be regulation. Back when... Um, uh, George W. Bush uh, passed his uh, faith-based initiative. I thought that was the single greatest initiative to ever come out of uh, a government office. It's, I, I really wish it had gone further uh, before it was uh, dismantled because the government should be in the job of encouraging groups, uh, faith-based and otherwise, to to take on these problems. Uh, It should be the job of the local community and the job of the government, uh, the federal government in this case should be, uh, you know, standing behind the local community and saying, what can we, what can we give you to help you with this mission? Mm -hmm. The problem, the the way that comes out though, is that then the because of this whole separation of church and state thing, is yeah. the government says, how can I help you? And if you take our help, then you can't be faith-based anymore. Yeah. And we see that very clearly mm-hmm. in uh, places like Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately, more, more and more so here. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the sad thing. But I, I disagree. I think there def- there is a certain level of accountability that all charities should be held to. Mm-hmm. And but I believe that the private sector will do a better job of holding people accountable to the way the money is spent than you can't hold the government 
accountable for how the money is spent. The, it gets lost yeah, in bureaucracy. That's true. Uh, you know, like you can go, there's websites you can go to where you can see how much of every dollar a charity spends goes to its cause. You can't yeah. do that with the government because <laughs> I would say the vast majority of a charities who are held accountable by open finances to doing at least 90 cents out of every dollar to their given cause. I would suspect the government probably gives a fraction of a cent to every cause. I yeah. mean, it's just it. And the rest of it's wasted on bureaucracy. Yeah. Well, that's how they, that's how they hide the, where the money goes is mm-hmm. you've got to work through uh, 20,000 pages to figure out, uh, you know, how much <laughs> this one person was paid. Right. We get back to the concept of civil disobedience because in, in this movie, it's, they're they're struggling with the whole concept of you know that the law says they cannot be super they are super the law is unjust yeah. so how do we change the law and it, it really is summarized uh nicely in the the scene near the very beginning of the movie around the supper table did we do something wrong yes no, we didn't do anything wrong superheroes are illegal whether it's fair or not that's the law the law should be fair what are we teaching our kids to respect the law even when the law is disrespectful if laws are unjust there are laws to change them otherwise it's chaos which is exactly what we have so we mentioned this last uh episode uh when we were talking about parental duties and i mentioned that this is maybe something that they shouldn't have done Mm-hmm. This uh, this disagreement um, in front of the kids and but it involved the kids so in a way I can yeah. understand that, why very, that's an excellent point yeah um it, but uh, it, it is such a uh, prescient thing uh, mm-hmm. so you know it, it has has so much impact on their life let's face it they are in a motel right now because of this law right I feel for both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like so many moderates. I can see both sides of this <laughs> situation, and I, I, luckily, I don't have to actually choose because this is fiction. Mm-hmm. Oh, but we do choose on other matters, which I'm going to yes, bring up. Yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> and uh, it's this actually brought to mind an article that I read uh, this week from uh, Christianity Today. It was a book review, a mm-hmm. uh, uh, written uh, about the pastors during the. Uh, the lead up to and including the Revolutionary War, who spoke out against uh, revolution. Mm-hmm. And the article made the point that, hey, and I'm pretty sure that this was in a recent podcast, uh, the winners write their history books. Right. Um, so these pastors are not uh, remembered that much, but they make some really good points. And a lot of it goes back to, uh, you know, the, the Romans 13 thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's we need to be uh, as Christians. I think we need to be uh, focusing on the uh, the in love part of speaking truth. Mm-hmm. That we will always encounter people, uh, even other believers, who disagree with us. Right, and we need to speak the truth as revealed to us through Scripture. Mm-hmm. But we always have to do it in love because. Uh, that that's the core of Jesus's ministry mm-hmm. is that he is love and he commits the ultimate uh, act of love. Right. When he sacrifices uh, himself for uh, to redeem all of us, uh, everyone who would come to him as believers. Yeah. And the whole concept of respecting the law, I mean, this question even came to Jesus, you know, the, shall we pay taxes? And he says, yeah. you, re- you render under Caesar what is Caesar's. This is, you know, should Christians be civilly disobedient? And I think that it comes from a perspective of which law is the penultimate and God's law is always above. So if the government creates a law that forces you to do something that is against God's law. As a Christian, we simply can't obey that law. Absolutely. Even if, I mean, it's, it's just like Daniel and the lion's den, you know, he was ordered by the government not to pray to any other deity, but the King. And, and he went about his business praying as he always did. And he got thrown in the lion's den for it. 
and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, a very famous Old Testament account that all the kids learn, um, they get they get thrown in the fiery furnace because they refuse to bow down and worship an idol. And th- this was government law. They were required to do it. It was civil disobedience for them not to. So we have precedent, scriptural precedent, that we are not to obey bad laws. Mm-hmm. And But where does that leave us as Christians? And especially in a society now that, you know, it's becoming increasingly hard to be Christian without being called violators of hate speech and well, uh, just to uh just to comment on your your choice of words mm-hmm. we are we are not able to um you'd said uh, we can't uh, abide bad laws but we do have to abide by bad laws we can't abide laws that are contrary to god's will right to god's expressed will yeah that's what uh, I and, and i know it i know it's nitpicking but yeah. You know, you have people who go out and bomb abortion clinics. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, right or wrong, uh, right or wrong, uh, abortion is legal in this land. Yeah. And even though I am 100% certain that it is out and out murder, Mm -hmm. it's still the law of the land. And it is the law of the land because it is God's will that that would be so for whatever reason. And I strongly suspect people bombing abortion clinics are not Christians. I, yeah, it's, I, I think that a yeah. very good case could be made for that. Yeah, um, that, that's not a Christian behavior in any way, sense or form. And I I don't and, and when I say we don't abide by bad law, I'm not saying that we actively right. revolt against such law. I'm saying that there there is this in Daniel's case, he didn't, you know, lead an army against the king he just went on praying even though it was against the yep. law to pray um you you keep doing the things that god tells you to do regardless of whether it's against the law to do it and, and that's the civil disobedience that's the civil disobedience and one of the things that i wanted to bring up because this is this is kind of impacting our culture today um just in the last month or two we've seen this be a, a very big deal and in fact it's going to be the point of a conversation i'm going to have with an atheist the day after we've recorded this, the law by Supreme Court ruling. This has become an issue here in the United States. It, it's a long precedent that dates way back even to the Scopes trial, uh, where civil dis- disobedience is on per- done on purpose in order to make a law um, come up bef- before judicial review. And instead of, as Helen has said uh, in her you know, what in the quote we just played, if laws are unjust, there are laws to change them, right? In our mm-hmm. culture, in our society here in the United States, we have not been using law properly. Um, if if a law is, is unjust, it's supposed to be legally changed by the legislature. But what we have become in the habit of doing is we challenge the law judicially and send it to the Supreme Court, and then the Supreme Court changes the law. And it it puts the Supreme Court in a bad position because they are not lawmakers. They are judicial reviewers. They should be overturning laws, not making laws. Okay. I I wanted to see if we were of the same mind. The job of the Supreme Court is to strike down laws, uh, unconstitutional law. Right. And that is the only job of the Supreme Court. Right. But that is not what the Supreme Court. Yeah. That's not what the Supreme Court has been doing generationally. It's been decades now. Um, One of one such instance is um, the Scopes trial. Uh, There's the Roe v. Wade, um, most recently the Obergefell versus Hodges case, which these were instances where a law should have been struck down but instead of striking down, they created precedent and basically mm-hmm. creating a law that didn't exist and fixing a problem judicially that should have been fixed through legislation. And what that has created is a ruling court in our country. And it creates all of this drama and emotion every time a justice is appointed to the Supreme Court, because now, instead of being a non-political body that just strikes down laws, they've become a political body in which you have half the court be progressive liberal and half the court conservative, and they fight over who, you know, who has the majority, right? Yeah. And right. and that's what created all of this nonsense with um, recent judicial appointees by by Trump, 
mm-hmm. the drama originates because of an imbalance in the court and because the court is doing things it shouldn't should never have been responsible for doing um, yeah. and creating law and through precedent which is not its job and because of that it creates all of these civil disobediences <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i i thought ellen helen's observation was was very apropos um she's saying uh that we should rely on law to change bad law. And I think yeah. in the instance, really they show that happening in Incredibles too. that it's, you know, all the world's leaders get together and sign into law, um, a, a new law that basically makes supers legal again. That's, that was the Sokovia Accords, right? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> no, I think the Sokovia Accords oh, sorry, were the opposite. Wrong. Yeah. Wrong universe. You know, it. Uh, I find it sort of humorous, uh, the, the discussion on judicial law, mm-hmm. uh, because one of the last scenes in the movie is uh, the judge where... He, He's ruling that they're legal again. Yeah. 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 So uh, basically, he just struck down an entire, <laughs> an entire law. Right. Uh, one thing I didn't, I couldn't remember from the first movie, because I know they talked about it, was if it was just... Were supers made just illegal in the United States, or was it uh, a global thing? Um, and it sounds if like it, it was, was a global a... thing, was it? Did the United Nations have some sort of? Well, these are not legal. This is, this is a yeah. different universe. We're not in the United States. Remember? Well, uh, we except we are in the United States because in the scene with the judge, uh-huh. it is the United States flag behind him and to the left. <laughs> but it was all the world's leaders at the. At the, yeah. On the yacht. So I think it was like a international thing. Uh, you know, he did say one over 100 of the world's uh, top countries, and then there were like 12 of them on the boat. Mm-hmm. Well, those were the 12 big countries. Small. I guess it was a small boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Comparatively speaking. Yeah. All right. So there was, uh, there was one last sort of like a, a mini theme. Uh, in Incredibles 2 uh, and it was one that I know I have talked about before sometime in the last uh, uh, how long have I been doing this with you now? Three years? A couple years at least. Yeah. yeah two and a half three years. Um, uh, it's an issue of perception and uh, there is a scene near the beginning mm-hmm. where Winston Dever is uh, attempting to con- convince Elastigirl, Mr. Incredible, and Frozone to work with him to try and civil dis- turn, and civil disobedience. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. To to be civilly disobedient and try to turn the public opinion, which he stresses is the public opinion because they're only seeing what politicians tell them to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, uh, here's here's the dialogue. What is the main reason you were all forced underground? Ignorance. Perception. Take today, for example, with the underminer. Difficult situation. You were faced with a lot of hard decisions. Oh, tell me about it. I can't. Because I didn't see it. Neither did anyone else. So, when you fight bad guys like today, people don't see the fight or what led up to it. They see what politicians tell them to see. They see destruction, and they see you. So, if we want to change people's perceptions about superheroes, we need you to share your perceptions with the world. So, he's stressing that uh, people don't people support the law against supers because they don't really see what supers are seeing. They don't see the the difficult decisions mm-hmm. that are that are being faced by the supers. Um, you know. When it comes to like the the underminers drill going through the uh, the overpass, mm-hmm. uh, they don't they didn't see the struggle that the supers were making to stop the drill and then to uh, prevent traffic from going on to the overpass. Uh, they just saw the destruction. The, yeah, yeah the the drill leaning up against the Capitol building or the the town hall, and the supers being led away in handcuffs. So that's what he was selling was uh, let's change the perception of supers in the public mind. Mm-hmm. And that drew that took me back to a boss, uh, a great, uh, great boss that I used to have that had this uh, mantra that drove me crazy. And it was <laughs> that per- perception is reality. Mm-hmm. 
And he has a point. Uh, and it's a, the point that Winston is making here. If people believe it to be true, if that's what they see, mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter if it's true or not. Right. Um, if if you believe that somebody's breaking the law, if you believe that uh, that this man is a uh, a menace, you know, a boozer and a rapist. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, then it doesn't matter if it is true or not. We have a prop- popular term for that: tried in the court of public opinion. Exactly. Yeah. I like the idea of civil disobedience being backed by corporate money. (laughs) Well, that's about the only way it works, to be honest. I mean, like even in the Scopes trial, and you know what I mean by the Scopes trial, right? Yep, absolutely. uh, Most people do. Um, The the gentleman who was on trial for teaching evolution uh, was a plant. He didn't actually... If I remember right, he wasn't even a, a teacher of that subject. And I hadn't heard that. Yeah, and, and he was an organization said, We're gonna challenge this law. We need to find somebody who is willing to um quote unquote go to jail for uh, uh disobeying the law so that we can then bring it to trial. And they so they went out and looked for somebody who was willing to quote unquote teach evolution so that he could um they could bring so it it was a plant and i think that in this case that's what you're seeing you know going on here is he's creating the issue that would bring the law into question and yeah. and change their perception and, and that's that's how they that's how a lot of things are uh are done these days mm-hmm. they they go out and find people who meet the requirements to bring it to the courts right and i have a, a slightly different take on on this because i work in what is considered a, a marketing type of industry mm-hmm. and um i it's something i've always struggled with as a christian because i really feel like marketing at least done in the hands of the wrong person is falsifying data and it, it's it's something i really struggle with because i like to be honest and when you spin something to create the correct perception that will sell the product, a lot of times you're lying. You're not, yeah. or you're not telling the whole truth. Or it's a, that's where it gets into the gray yeah, area. Yeah, right? that gray is, area, is, and it bugs me because I'm actually a pretty honest person, and anything that even remotely smacks of an untruth is it really bothers me. And so marketing is a r- really hard. To, a, a hard business to toe the line on, you know, mm-hmm. from a moral standpoint, because it it is so easy to tell the convenient lies. And we've talked about the convenient lies, it was, you know, in, in families and parenting, and now it's in, you know, marketing. It's something that, that as Christians, we should be uncomfortable with just to stay on our toes, you know, to, yeah. to try and find honest ways to say things, to not shade into that level of lying. I thought Bob's observation that ignorance plays a role is is probably a better take on it. Mm-hmm. Ignorance it can be manipulated by perception. If you're not a yeah. well-educated person, if you don't research and and look for the you know reality behind the perception, then you're easily manipulated and led astray by somebody who has you know the shiny thing. You know. Yeah. It's the other side of that perception coin that that Winston Dever's playing, right? Mm-hmm. It's, they they wouldn't fall to that the incorrect perception if they were not uh, ignorant of what the supers were trying to do and what they had to deal mm-hmm. with to do it. Yeah, but that that also plays to uh, Winston's point um, was that uh, it's not just changing perception, but providing truth mm-hmm. uh, allows people to make. Uh, Educated decisions. decisions. Yeah. 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 So I think in in the end, it comes down to education versus propaganda because it's so easy to fall for the propaganda and and not do the research because as Evelyn, you know, put forward over and over again, you know, we want ease. We want everything spoon fed to us. We don't want to have to stir from our couches. And it's so easy to become lackadaisical and just let the propaganda flow in. But we have to actively participate. We have to seek truth. It doesn't just find us. We have to seek it. And once again, that's what this podcast is about. And we're hoping that our listeners are learning or at least Seeing our example of not just enjoying this beautiful, entertaining movie, but to look at the, you know, what's going on underneath it. 
And then the final thing we wanted to talk about just briefly is Evelyn made a really interesting statement to Helen near the end. And I'll just play that for you here. You know what's sad? (laughs) If it weren't for your core beliefs, I think we could have been good friends. At least I have have core beliefs. I actually had a discussion, an exchange like this with um, this atheist that I speak to on a regular basis. She asked me, why can't we just, you know, let our set the differences aside and be friends anyway. And I tried to explain to her the idea of watching somebody that, that you want to be friends with, that you really care about making horrible choices in their life and how damaging that can be to be friends with somebody and not be able to, and they completely reject everything that you believe is true. And it's a difference in worldview. And sometimes those differences are so irreconcilable that you simply cannot be friends with that person. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it goes back to, uh, second Corinthians, uh, six fourteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't become partners with those who do not believe for what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness mm-hmm. of what fellowship does the light have with the darkness. And, um, we were actually talking about this in, in our community group a couple, a uh, couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they're not just talking to romantic couples here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're talking about uh, friends. They're talking about coworkers. Business they're talking partners. about <laughs> biz- business partners. Yeah. Um, I can I can honestly say that I have felt more comfortable working at outspoken Christian businesses than I am at non Christian businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I know I. I feel like I am uh, among brothers and sisters. Yeah. Even, well, even though I'm, I, I'm not necessarily. I mean, they're not, they're not any more likely to have, um, you know, uh, Presbyterians <laughs> working for them. <laughs> well, it, 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 it's a good image to to think about two horses that are yoked together. Yeah. Or oxen, for that matter, because that's that's the visual that is used in scripture, and. If you're trying to pull in two different directions, then you're not getting the work done. And and I think that that is, uh, that's true of not just relationships, but it's true of, of pretty much everything is that you cannot yoke yourself to somebody who is pulling in another direction. You just can't do it. It doesn't work. And, and it may seem difficult and it is difficult to be in the world and not of but, the world. Yeah. But. That's what we're called to do. Called to do a lot of hard things, and that is one of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that um, there's probably even more that we could be discussing, but yeah. that's that we've we've hit our limit, and so we're going to uh, turn this back to you guys to to discuss. You can join our discussion group on Facebook. Just look for "Are You Just Watching?" and join the group. Um, and we would love to have you in there to discuss more on, on these topics. And we've brought up some pretty sensitive political topics in this one. And I'm sure that we've stepped on toes and feel free to come and, and tell us where you think we went wrong. And yeah, so we have, absolutely. we can have a, a your, civil discussion about it so that we your can. Your opinion is just as valid as ours. Yeah. As long as it's scriptural. Um, we Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Um, in the end, it's the Bible that counts. So if, if you're using an anti-biblical argument, we probably will reject it. But we'd love to hear your opinion. You can also comment on the show notes, which will be at areyoujustwatching.com slash 88. Um, you can call us at 903-231-2221. You can leave us feedback at areyoujustwatching.com. That would just be amazing to be able to have audio content that we can add to future episodes. You can follow me in on Twitter at E. Franklin. And I'm on Twitter at Rencheple, R-E-N-C-H-E-P-L-E. And we'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, and review us on, on iTunes just so that um, we don't have a fairly any recent reviews on there. And I think our last one is well over two years old. Yeah. And we'd really, really like some fresh reviews on iTunes. So if, if you feel so inclined, there are other ways to subscribe now as well. Um, I believe we're on Google and Stitcher. Stitcher. We're on Stitcher. Are we on SoundCloud? Uh, I don't know if SoundCloud does it automatically or not. It, it, we'll have to we, look into that. Yeah, I, I think we are. 
Um, so yeah, okay. there's lots of there's lots of ways to get our podcast, and we hope that you are checking us out and follow us on Facebook, um, like us on Facebook, share um, share our podcasts. Don't just hold them to yourself; get them out there where other people Word can see of them. Mouth. Word of mouth is the best advertisement. We'd really appreciate it if you would forward it to other people. So I believe that's it. We hope everybody has a happy new year and a very blessed Christmas and that you spend time with our Savior and remembering about how God became man on Christmas Day, that it's not just about opening gifts and being with family, because it's a very important holiday to remember what um, Christ did for us. So. Yeah. It's to use the uh, the oft-used and overused <laughs> phrase, Jesus is the reason for the season. Yes, definitely. Well, I'm Eve Franklin. I'm Tim Martin. Thank you so much for listening. And don't just watch. Are You Just Watching is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Subscribe to more of our podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodlemix.net.